Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS, you'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android mobile devices, as well as access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include analyzing your website to improve SEO, viral marketing, uh, and web analytics fundamentals do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash clns go ahead i challenge you to learn something new in 2015 well hello patriots fans and welcome to a New England Patriots AFC Championship edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me as always is Bobby Kavitsky, at Bobby K underscore 91. You can, of course, follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat. And, of course, follow CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio or on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash fans. Huge show for you tonight. We're getting ready for the Patriots versus the Indianapolis Colts. Sunday night, 640 for a right to go to Arizona to play the winner of the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. We have a special guest on with us tonight. His name is Chris Price. He is a Patriots beat writer for WEEI.com in Boston, 93.7 on your FM dial. If you live in New Hampshire, like I do in the beautiful Lakes region, I listen to the WEEI on WVEI on 101.5 out of Meredith, Laconia, and Concord. Chris Price, how you doing tonight? Not bad. It's my pleasure to join you guys. I'm glad we could hook this up. Uh, we appreciate it, Chris. We definitely appreciate it. Let's start first a little bit about last week's game because I think a lot of New England Patriots fans were very uh, scared of the Baltimore Ravens. I was at one point. They get down 14 to nothing, only to tie it up and fall back behind 28 to 14 and come back and win 35 to 31. Safe to say that was probably the best Patriots playoff game at Gillette Stadium. What are your thoughts on that? 
You know, it's probably not too far removed. For me, it had a lot of similarities to what happened in 2003, that first game against the Titans, uh, against a, an, an out-of-division, still conference foe in the divisional playoffs, uh, a, a frozen Foxborough, uh, in, in a game that was probably a lot closer than some people initially anticipated. Look, that Ravens bunch, it's a very mentally tough group. They're, they're, they're a very resilient group, and I think part of what you know, kind of caused them to fall apart a little bit was what went on there in the second half, not just the Edelman pass to Amendola, but the four offensive line set. I think by now we've all seen the NFL films stuff where, you know, they're kind of complaining and they're wondering about what's going on. They're kind of pointing fingers and kind of going back and forth with each other. So uh, I ultimately think that, you know, they, they, they kind of fell apart a little bit and kind of disintegrated and kind of freaked out there in the second half. And I think that was really the first step in that momentum swing back in New England's direction. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that that was one of, you know, I don't know if it was the best, but it was one of the best um, playoff games that we've seen here in Gillette Stadium, at least in an awful long time. Yeah, it was certainly up there. Chris, it's only natural that not everyone is going to get their proper due. Who do you think was the most underrated player in the Patriots' divisional round win? I think it was Danny Amendola. I, I think that you're talking about a guy who has been kind of a lost cause offensively over much of the year. Uh, I know that he stepped up and did a very nice job on special teams, kind of moving into that role roughly two-thirds, about half, two-thirds of the way through the year as a kick returner and really kind of gave a bit of an offensive jolt to, um, or gave a bit of a jolt to the special teams unit, the kick return unit as a result. Um, and I think that that kind of kept him engaged, at least offensively, until he had a moment like he had on Saturday night against the Ravens. You know, two touchdown catches, um, just just a really big night for him. And I think that, not to get corny here, but I think it, it was a night that, that a lot of people enjoyed for him because I, I know that the, his teammates really seemed to enjoy him. His teammates really seemed to appreciate him, particularly Brady. We talked to him a little bit on Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday, about him and what he brings to the field. And there's a clear level of affection that the quarterback has for Amendola. So I think out of everyone in that group, there's a lot of guys who stepped up and were very, very important in that game. Deron Harmon had the big interception late. Logan Ryan, I thought, played one of his better games of the year. Uh, you know, top to bottom, there, there, were, there were a lot of really impressive performances. Uh, who man did well when he was called upon. But I think ultimately, if you're looking for an underrated performer who really stepped forward, in that win over the Ravens, I'd have to go with Danny Amendola. Chris, closing the door here on the Ravens. Uh, yesterday afternoon, former Raven Ray Lewis came out and said the only reason that anyone knows about Tom Brady is the tuck rule and that it doesn't even exist. And they made the rule up against uh, uh, for the Patriots and for Tom Brady. I guess 18 uh, playoff victories later and two Super Bowls along with four Super Bowls after that, I guess that never would have happened with, uh, without the tuck rule. Give me your uh, thoughts on what Ray Lewis had said there. I, you know what? I, the, one of the, at first glance, it seems to me the kind of thing that an ESPN employee would say as a way to generate publicity for ESPN. I know that it's happened a couple times over the last few years where they will jumpstart a news cycle when one of their talking heads makes an outlandish, over-the-top statement. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind initially was Ron Jaworski saying that Colin Kaepernick has the potential to be the best quarterback of all time. Uh, that, that happened, I believe, it was earlier this summer. Um, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I, I know that, that Ray kind of 
backpedaled on those statements today, and I think he may have overshot a little bit, just, you know, kind of all in the name of delivering a hot sports take about the Patriots and, and where they were in relation to the playoff picture. So, I, again, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I, I thought it was interesting that Brady kind of replied today by saying, well, you know, I had the good fortune to play against Ray. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, you know, he kind of said all the right things. And, again, Lewis kind of backed off his comments a little bit today. So, Ultimately, in the end, you know, it's it's fodder. It's 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 interesting news for a 24-hour news cycle. But in the end, it's I think it's just going to be forgotten within the next day or two. Chris, the Ravens' zone blocking scheme gave the Patriots' defense a lot of problems. Do you see the Colts trying to incorporate that on Sunday? Bobby, that's a great point, and I think something that not a lot of people are talking about when you're discussing the problems that the New England defensive line had against Baltimore. Baltimore runs a very specific scheme. Now, most teams across the league run some sort of zone-blocking scheme. No one, at least to my mind, relies on it as heavily as the Ravens do. It's the old kind of the Denver scheme and the Houston scheme. It's a Gary Kubiak system, and Gary Kubiak has always been a big believer in the zone blocks and the cut blocks. That being said, I don't think that any other team that the Patriots could face this year could, A, just kind of pop in his own blocking scheme on a week's notice or B run it effectively enough to bedevil the Patriots in the same way that the Ravens did in the divisional playoff game. So I think it's something that they need to be aware of. And I don't think they did a very good job in the early going when it came to defending the Ravens cut blocking scheme. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be a sizable issue going forward, at least as it relates to this postseason. Chris, uh, last time the Patriots played the uh, Indianapolis Colts, we saw Jonas Gray explode for 201 yards on 38 carries going forward with four touchdowns. Ever since then, he's had 38 carries going forward. Will we see a return of Jonas Gray this week, or is it LeGarrette Blount's job to basically do what he did last year in the playoffs against the Colts? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think we're going to see Jonas Gray, and I think he's going to get some touches. But in the end, it's going to be LeGarrette Blunt who's going to get the majority of reps at the running back position. I think Blunt is the closest thing right now that this team has to a future back, and I think they're going to act accordingly. That's not to say that we're going to see not going to see Jonas Gray for the bulk of the postseason. Uh, I, I just, for me, really, it's more and more apparent that that game was to Jonas Gray, what the the Brandon Bolden performance a couple of years ago was when you're talking about Buffalo and the way that all set up, it was just one of those, uh, a great convergence on a number of levels. You had a guy that no one really knew about, that no one really had a lot of film on, and you had a great matchup, you had a great scheme, you had a great situation, everything kind of came together at the right time, everything kind of gelled at the perfect moment for the Patriots. I don't think we're going to see that going forward for Gray. I think right now LeGarrette Blunt is the guy. I think he's going to be the number one option in the running game, and I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries Sunday night against the Colts. Chris, sticking with the ground game, the last two time that, times that the Patriots have played the Colts, they've averaged 45 carries a game. Do you think that number stays in the 40s this week? I do. I, I think it's going to stay in the 40s. I think you know we could kind of overanalyze this thing to death, but I think in the end, the matchups and the advantages on both sides of the ball are very clear. I think New England 
has a distinct advantage when you're talking about running the football. I think the Indianapolis run defense is a little bit better than it was back in November, but not appreciably so. I think Arthur Jones brings a different dynamic to what they do defensively. I think that the reason that Denver didn't run the, the Denver just wasn't thinking, in my opinion. You know, you had C.J. Anderson, who was looking like Jim Brown out there, and they just kind of kept going back to the pass. They kind of kept going back to Manning when that run was there for the taking, at least from this viewpoint. So I think ultimately, I think you're going to see the Patriots run the ball a lot more than they did last week against Baltimore. I think in a lot of ways, it's going to be an exact opposite. And when you're talking about a specific game plan for this, you know, for, for, for the AFC championship game, I think you're going to see the Patriots run the ball probably in the forties. You're going to see them pass it very few, uh, very few times comparatively. So, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be, it's going to be run first, run second, run third on Sunday night against the Colts. Chris, the ordinary brilliance of Darrell Revis, an article you wrote on WEEI.com today, going in and looking at the energy and intensity that Darrell Revis brings. Some Patriots fans believe that Revis had a down game against Steve Smith. He had uh, two catches against him for 25 yards. Of course, the the long uh, suspect pass interference call and then the holding that negated the Jamie Collins fumble. Tell me a little bit in your dealings with Darrell Revis, exactly what you think we'll expect in what I'll call a bounce-back game for Darrell Revis this week against the high-flying Indianapolis Colts? Well, first and foremost, and this is I don't think fans really care about this, but I think it's important when you talk about Revis in this context. Revis has been great with us in the media this year. He's been literally the last guy in the locker room. He doesn't walk away from an interview scrum without making sure all questions are answered, and he's been great with us in terms of giving us answers and giving us some sort of insight into what he thinks and how he approaches the game. I think this is a bit of a bounce back game for for Darrell. I think you know we were talking to him in the locker room today, and he was very I don't want to see defiant, but he said, yeah, you know the game is the game, and you know uh, you know I, I, some balls are going to be caught on me, but you know at the same time, you know that's everyone's a professional out here, and that's and you know and that's life. So I think this is a bit of a bounce back game for him. I, I think it's been interesting to watch his overall acclimation into the New England system over the course of the year because there were times especially in training camp. I remember the, the series uh, of practices they held with the Eagles where Jeremy Macklin caught a deep ball on him and everyone kind of went, oh my goodness, what's going on? You know, Revis got beat on that play. And we talked to him afterward and he kind of gets the idea that, you know, look, this is not my first rodeo. You know, it's, it's just, I know how to get in shape. I know how to get ready for the season. So I think this is a fascinating time of year for him because he's been here twice to the AFC Championship game. He's never gotten over this hump. After speaking with him today, I, I'm fully confident that he is aware of the circumstances. He's aware of the gravity. He's aware of just how important this game is because you're talking about a guy now who's been in the league for eight years and is completely aware that these moments don't come around all that often. So I have to think when you're talking about scheme and matchup this week that we're going to see a lot more of him on T.Y. Hilton just because Reggie Wayne almost seems like a waste at this point to put him on Reggie Wayne because Wayne has struggled so much over the course of the second half of the season. Chris, last time around, Revis was matched up against Reggie Wayne. This time it might be T.Y. Hilton. Of course, the Patriots are going to mix and match their coverages throughout the game. But how do you anticipate them primarily covering Indy? You know, it's interesting, too, because I do think we're going to see more of Revis on Hilton. But I think at the same time, I think Kyle Arrington did a really good job with him last time around. I'm not saying that he completely shut him down. But I think that when you're talking about matchup and you're talking about skill set and you're talking about overall size, 
think that's a good matchup for, for New England when you're talking about Arrington and Hilton. But I do think ultimately they're going to move stuff around. I think the interesting matchups really, for me, are going to come into play when you're talking about defending Indy's tight ends. Both Allen and Fleener are really good. The Patriots have struggled at times over the course of the season to contain really good tight ends. Last time we saw some of Browner, and really in the Indy game, and Browner talked about this afterward, they played a lot. They used Browner really a, a lot of uh, used him on a lot of those defensive snaps as a linebacker, and, and that's going to be something to watch. Uh, just how they deploy him and how much time he gets against those tight ends. So there's a couple of really intriguing matchups, uh, but I would say, and while they're going to mix and match, and they're going to go man, and they're going to go zone, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see more Revis on T.Y. Hilton this time around, as opposed to what we saw back in November. Well, Chris, you took the words out of my mouth because this will really be the first time that uh, Andrew Luck gets both his tight ends against the Patriots. It seems like Dwayne Allen has been injured each time they they play. He only played 13 snaps the last time. There's one more guy that I would like to talk about, and that's uh, the running back, Heron. He was not on the field the last time the Patriots played him. He uh, does a fine job in the first two playoff games as the checkdown man for Andrew Luck. We saw last week against the uh, Baltimore Ravens how the Patriots had a hard time covering Justin Forsett uh, out of the backfield. Of course, he got an, into the touchdown and made it 28-14. to 14. Um, Tell me, how can the Patriots defend not only his running style but the checkdown pass? I think Forsett is a, I think Forsett was a really underrated part of the Baltimore offense. I think Heron... While he's been very good, I don't know if he's able to put up the same kind of performance or if he's capable of putting up the same kind of performance, the same kind of numbers against the Patriots that Forsett did. I think uh, he's a steady, consistent runner who's run very well over the course of the postseason to this point. But uh, this is a big stage, and, and it's a little bit different. I, I think that New England has done well, Justin Forsett aside, uh, you know, when it comes to defending running backs. Um, I agree that the the pass the out of the backfield of set where there was no one within you know what ten yards of my that that was a a serious defensive breakdown. I think one of the things to look for two of the guys who may have struggled a little bit defensively last week, Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. This is going to be a big week for them. We, you know, we talked about defending tight ends and knowing his ability to defend tight ends. It's going to be Brandon Browner. It's going to be you know Patrick Chung. I would like to see, if I'm a Patriots fan, I would like to see a better performance this week out of Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower when it comes to pass defense, when it comes to getting after running backs and getting after tight ends uh, and really kind of making some game-changing plays like we saw over the course of the second half of the season. So those two guys are going to figure into the mix as well when you're talking about defending Boom Heron. But they're running the ball a little bit better than they were back in November. I think ultimately, if you're the Colts, you have to find a way to run the ball or at least move the ball consistently put together some extended drives, and do your best to keep Tom Brady and the rest of the Patriots' offense off the field. That's the best way for them to go about beating New England this week is to be able to string together some lengthy drives, really control the tone, really control the tempo. And I think if they figure out a way to run, I'm not going to say they can, but if they figure out some sort of way to run, they figure out some sort of way to string together some of those extended drives, maybe some short passes, some intermediate passes, that will go a long way toward helping them pull the upset on Sunday night. Lastly, Chris. The Colts' defense had success against Denver by being physical with Peyton Manning's receivers, forcing everything to the outside. Do you think that they will try and do the same against Tom Brady? Yeah, I do. I, I do. I, I think that this is a better secondary than the, the one the Patriots faced on 
Saturday night against the Ravens. I think there's going to be some really interesting battles, um, particularly Vontae Davis and how they want to go about using Vontae Davis. I know that we talked about how, you know, they're going to, how, you know, flip side of the ball, how the Patriots are going to deploy their defensive backs against the Indy pass catchers. I think there's also a similar question when you're talking about how you want to slow down the New England passing game. I think at the end of the day, while LaRon Landry has made great strides, I think, within that defense, Bill's talked about him a couple of times over the course of the week, I still don't believe that the Colts have a singular counterpoint to Rob Gronkowski, and I think that's going to go a long way. I think Gronk, one of the reasons his stat line was a bit diminished last time against Indianapolis, because he was used primarily as a blocker. That was their number one option in the running game, was to run the ball. Second half, he was able to break loose, had a couple of nice catches, including the 26-yard touchdown catch. But I think if the Patriots do get in trouble, if for whatever reason they do have trouble running the ball, I think they have enough when it comes to their passing game to get them over the hump. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to absolutely need to lean on it because I think the Colts' inability to stop the run and the Patriots' ability to run the ball relatively consistently is going to be the difference in this one. But if they have to go to it, if they have to go to Gronkowski, if they have to go to LaFell, they have to go to Edelman. Those matchups are there, and those matchups are winnable in my mind for New England. Chris, thank you very much for joining CLS Radio's Patriots Beat. Before we let you go up. Please do tell our listeners uh, all the plans this week on WEEI's coverage of the Patriots. Uh, thank you very much. Jeff, I really appreciate that. I am going to be part of NFL Sunday with Greg Dickerson and Steve Diossi. We're going to be on the air from 9 to 2, live from Foxborough. And then on WEI, we have the NFC Championship game, and then there's the AFC Championship game as well. And both myself, Ryan Hannibal, and Mike Petralia will be blogging, tweeting, writing all weekend long Nothing but football, football, football over at WEEI.com. You can check us out there, or you can follow me also on Twitter at CPriceNFL. Chris, as always, thank you so much for coming on Patriots Beat. I'll be listening to NFL Sunday on uh, on Sunday, and I, you'll probably get a call from me, I think. So thanks a lot, my friend. Sounds good. Take care, gentlemen. I appreciate the time. Have a good we one. Do, we do as well. You too. Take care. That, of course, was Chris Price from WEEI and WEEI.com. And Chris Price was brought to you today by Lynda.com. Go out and challenge yourself this year. Uh, go out, go to Lynda.com. Take all the courses that you can possibly take. You just got to do it. You got to challenge yourself. It's a new year. Why not make yourself better? And with CLNS Radio and Linda, you can definitely get yourself a free 10-day trial. I've checked out the website. I'm going to make myself better, and you got to go there. So it is www.linda, and that's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash C-L-N-S radio. You can get a free 10-day trial, as I said. Check out the website. Cruise around. Look at all the informational videos and make yourself better and get on board with Linda and C-L-N-S radio. Bobby, great insight, as always, by Chris Price, a good friend of the program. I listen to him every single Sunday with the other boys there on WEEI. Tell me, what was your biggest takeaway from our friend Chris? Yeah, he's incredibly informative, gives great information. I loved what he had to say about the Patriots linebackers having to step up and be better this game if the Patriots are to win when, when everyone talks about the fact that, well, the Colts, in order to have success, are going to have to get the run game going and be able to effectively utilize the tight ends and the running backs, that all speaks to how the Patriots are going to counter that, and it starts with Collins and Hightower, neither one of whom had their best games against Baltimore. 
No, they both uh, they both struggled um, mightily, especially against Baltimore. I didn't expect that. Dante Hightower has come on very well uh, this season, and he's played the pass well a lot better than he did last year. He played the uh, he's played the run well, but you saw him uh, in the touchdown pass to Owen Daniels uh, not really turn around and look. Bad matchup, as we talked about last week for the Patriots. Luckily, they were able to win 35-31. to But I want to get in a little bit now and talk about this game coming up against the Colts because I think a lot of Patriots fans right now and are looking at this matchup and they're thinking, all right, we're already, we're already in Arizona. The Colts can't beat us. But you know what? It's any given Sunday, Bobby. The Colts could win with a guy like Andrew Luck who – his making is his, his third season here. His third season, he's made it to the AFC Championship game. He's made some good plays. He just dispatched uh, Peyton Manning, although I think Manning was a, a shell of himself. But he still went into Denver and won. They took on, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. That's kind of an easy win. But he made an unbelievable play uh, for a touchdown to Dante uh, Montreef that was just unreal where he scrambled out of the pocket. That's the one thing I look at is – Andrew Luck's ability to continue to make plays, keep plays alive that could hurt the Patriots. What are your thoughts, Bobby, on that? It's funny, Jeff, because in the recent postseasons, the story has been that Pats fans, they couldn't be more confident going into the divisional round. And then it's this coming weekend that the fans tend to get all nervous and what's going to happen. And this time, the scenario is flipped where it was the game against Baltimore that had everyone on edge. This time, fans are already trying to book flights to Arizona and get out there for the Super Bowl. I just I don't like how overconfident the fan base seems to be in general. But at the same time, when you look at this matchup, on paper at least, and re- going by recent history, it's going to be so tough for the Colts to not only stop the Patriots offense, which has steamrolled them, But on the other end, how are they going to score throughout the game consistently, given that the Patriots and Bill Belichick have had Andrew Luck's numbers through the first three matchups against him? Exactly. That is one thing we remember. If you look at that uh, decal on the side of the helmet, the Indianapolis Colts horseshoe, you remember what uh, Bill Belichick and this defense was able to do against the Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning was but a young pup in this league. Uh, you know, a 24 to 14 victory in 2003, where uh, Ty Law picked off Manning three times, and then a 20 to three drubbing in the divisional playoffs in 2004, uh, a game that I happened to be at, where they again absolutely just took a high flying Indianapolis Colts offense and shut them down. So yeah, I think you're right. I think that. They've got their number. I just, I, I'm worried about this overconfidence. And not that I'm a superstitious person, but I am a little bit worried about the overconfidence. Let me ask you this, Bobby, because Chris talked about it that we could see the Patriots get back into the, into the 40 uh, running times in a game. And you know that makes me happy. I love the running game. And, but my question to you is this it doesn't look like uh, Brian Stork is going to p- play. We saw how well this team played together when the five linemen of, of uh, Vollmer and uh, 
Wendell, Stork, Connolly, and Soldier played together. Now you've got a spot where you're, you're, you're basically screwing up two positions here. You're moving Ryan Wendell from right guard into center, and you're either going to have a guy like Josh Klein or maybe even the rookie. Uh, um, I had a brain cramp there, but uh, you know the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you had Klein, you got Fulmer, Stork is out. Yep. Wow, brain cramp there. Uh, kid out of Stanford. Fleming. Fletcher. Fleming, Fleming, thank you. Fleming. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take away my New England Patriots fan card. I couldn't <laughs> remember our fourth-round uh, rookie who actually played 33 snaps um, in that game as a sixth offensive lineman when they, they tore off 245 yards. What do you think the Patriots will do to combat the fact that Stork uh, is pro- most likely going to be out for Sunday's game? Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because I totally agree with Chris. I think that that number should be in the 40s, which I know is going to be exciting for you after part of last Sunday's win, last Saturday's win, excuse me, must have been bittersweet given the lack of a run game in the second half. So I'm sure this is exactly what the doctor ordered for Jeff Kane. I do expect that number to stay in the 40s. Once again, I agree with Chris that... Blount is the lead back. He's going to get the bulk of the carries. But I also think that it would behoove the Patriots to give Jonas Gray his fair share of reps. And actually, directly relating to the shuffle along the offensive line, I think that's going to impact Blount more than it is Gray because Blount is not someone who creates his own holes. You know, he, he really relies on the blocking and what's ahead of him. And then he's so big that he can bowl people over once he gets to the second level or even just once he hits the hole. Jonas Gray, on the other hand, is a quicker, more athletic back. So he can actually, you know, juke someone out. He can make a play when a hole isn't there. So this injury along the offensive line to Brian Stork, I think, is going to impact Blount more than it is Jonas Gray. One thing we heard Chris Price at WEEI talk about was the fact that, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski, if they need him, can get out there and catch passes. I look at a guy who hardly saw the field last week in Tim Wright as someone that they can really use this week in matchup problems. Okay, you want to take out uh, Rob Gronkowski? Hey, Sergio Brown, you don't want to be, you know, kicked out of the club again? You know, let's see what Tim Wright can do. They traded a fourth-round draft pick and Logan Mankins uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for this guy. Uh, You know, he was quite uh, productive in the season. What are your thoughts on him in this game? Because we hardly saw him last week. And the who-man, the who-man of all people, caught three passes, including when they had four linemen on the field. Yeah, I think the Patriots realized that putting in Tim Wright – wasn't going to force the Ravens into their sub-defense, so it didn't really have the advantage they're looking for. Also with Tim Wright, and believe me, I've been advocating for the two-tight-end offense, specifically with Wright, for the entire season. The one thing I've noticed about Tim Wright as the year has gone on, though, and as he gets more and more opportunities, he really doesn't get open on his own. It's when the defense doesn't cover him, or there's a huge gap in a zone coverage, that's when you see Tim Wright. But if someone's covering him, he really hasn't displayed the ability to get open. No, you're right. He hasn't displayed the uh, ability to get open. I'm looking more for him next year 
and, and, and in the coming years, I think he could be uh, quite the player there. Let's uh, well, let's look because we, uh, we talked a little bit about the defense here. Patrick Chung was was signed to a uh, three year contract uh, before the Ravens game and actually made some some good strides uh, there. What are your thoughts about Patrick Chung lining up against either one of these dynamic tight ends for the uh, Indianapolis Colts in uh, Dwayne Allen and Colby Fleener? I hate it. I think it's going to happen. I'm bracing myself for it, but I don't think that he is a good fit against either one. I think both of his advantages are negated by the other one's strengths. I think against Fleener, Chung would like to use his strength, but that doesn't work against someone with such a significant height and speed advantage. And I think against Allen, that Allen's just simply too strong and is again bigger. I know Chung made a big play against Owen Daniels, but I just I don't like him against either one of these tight ends personally. I'd rather see the Patriots stick primarily with Browner on Dwayne Allen and Jamie Collins, who was excellent against Fleener in the divisional round last year, go up against him again this time. Uh, that sounds like a heck of a plan there. Well, before last week's game, we looked at the stats. We looked at how uh, each team had uh, gone offensively and defensively, and we looked at Baltimore versus New England, and we saw that they pretty much were uh, neck and neck as far as offensive plays per game, offensive points per game, defensive points per game, yardage all across the way. Both these teams coming in this week, the New England Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts, have gotten to the AFC Championship game different ways. Of course, the Patriots had the number one seed. They had one win to go, and that had to be beating Baltimore, who I think we all thought was the best team in the AFC uh, outside of the uh, New England Patriots. The Colts, they had to go on the road and, and, and play the Denver Broncos, and it was a little bit of a passing of the torches as Colts fans who love Peyton Manning for so long um, got to watch their new stud, their new number 12, uh, their new number one overall pick in Andrew Luck go out and dispatch the uh, the former hero uh, in Indianapolis. But you look at this these teams, and while the Colts during the regular season averaged 406 yards per game versus New England's 365, and we all know how Andrew Luck threw for 40 touchdown passes, 305.9 yards per game, and they actually rushed it better than I thought they did as they topped out at 100.8 yards per game. But when you flip over to the defensive side of the ball, they give up just about the same amount of defensive yards per game in 344 for the Patriots versus 342 for the Colts, but the Colts give up 23 points per game as opposed to 19.6 for the Patriots. While the Colts have won the last two games and looked better on defense, how is New England going to attack this Colts offense? And better yet, how are the Colts going to line up and take care of New England when you have Rob Gronkowski, who is a double coverage nightmare? You have Julian Edelman out of the slot, out of the outside as an X or O wide receiver, and then you have Brandon LaFell, who has just gotten better and better over time, and now Danny Amendola is doing some amazing things. The last four games, Amendola has been great, last week being his J.D. Drew performance for the, uh, for the New England Patriots. Tell me, how are they going to stop this New England offense? Yeah, and it's the last two players you mentioned that make a huge difference this time around for the Patriots as opposed to their last couple of runs at a Super Bowl, and that is Brandon LaFell, who gives them 
a physical outside threat who's got good size and athletic ability. He's also a very good run blocker, which showed up multiple times in that game and even pass blocking on the Amendola's first touchdown. And then as for Amendola himself, with the Patriots adopting this quick hit offense so much to such an even larger degree than we're traditionally used to from them, if let's just fast forward for one second, Patriots fans can all knock on wood. Let's say the Patriots win this game and they wind up playing Seattle in the Super Bowl. There's your pause to knock on wood. Amendola is an enormous factor in that game because he now gives them another quick hitter, another shifty receiver. You can see that he has gained Tom Brady's trust, which is a huge key to succeeding in New England. So those two coming along really give the Patriots more depth and more versatility than they're used to having on offense. And that brings us back to last week's game against the uh, Baltimore Ravens because you're right, they had those quick hitters. They had Julian Edelman. They had Tanny Amendola. And I think his most impressive play of the entire night wasn't either one of the touchdowns, uh, but it was on the game-winning drive. It was a third and six. He was tackled for a two-yard loss. And next thing you know, uh, you know, he breaks the tackle where, where the defender has his hand on his helmet, jukes, and puts the ball out for a first down. Uh, you know, Bobby, that right there shows me that Amendola, who has gotten a bad rap in this town, might just be making a name for himself, and he might just be the man who can help get the Patriots, that third receiver. We've always wanted that outside receiver. We've got that now in Brandon LaFell. Julian Edelman, we know what he can do. Rob Gronkowski, we know what he can do. But if you had really told me, and we talked about this last week on Patriots Beat, that if the, the Patriots needed to be balanced and, and you know take away the uh, uh, defensive pass rush of Terrell uh, Suggs and Elvis Dumaville, well, they threw the ball on just about every play in the second half, min- minus a sneak by Brady and you know a few kneel downs. How are the New England Patriots able to do that? I got to know your thoughts on that. Well, it's the first team in NFL history to win a playoff game without having ran the ball for an entire half. So that was certainly interesting to see. One thing that people have to understand is that there are passing plays that are more or less considered running plays. And the key really is to avoid second and tens. Matt Chatham, who wrote a fantastic preview for last week's game on Nesson.com as well as footballbyfootball.com, he talked about the importance of staying on schedule. And what that means is simply avoiding second and ten and third and long. And you don't have to run the ball to do that. You can draw up quick hitters like the Patriots so frequently do, and as they did against Baltimore, that are more or less guaranteed completions That will get you four yards and an opportunity for yards after the catch. And so the Patriots utilized that. That more or less was their version of running the ball against Baltimore because they knew they weren't going to have success handing off and it was going to put them in bad situations. So that's how the Patriots approached Baltimore. Now, against Indianapolis, the Colts defended Denver by being physical with the wide receivers They tried to throw off the timing, and they forced everything to the outside, which is how you would game plan against both Manning and against Tom Brady. 
So, Jeff, it's going to be interesting to see if that was father time tapping Peyton Manning on the shoulder or if that really did have more to do with the Colts secondary. That Colts secondary was uh, very physical, but I do look at it, and that's the way you've always beaten Peyton Manning. Going back to uh, the two games that I talked about earlier in the podcast, the 2003 AFC Championship game and 2004 Divisional game, and you look at last year against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl, you get physical on the outside with Manning's receivers. You knock off that timing. We saw them change the rule this this, uh, this year that called more defensive pass interference and more illegal sneezing at, if you will. And uh, But they show that you can still be physical and do things the right way. They work to get physical with the Patriots wide receivers in Julian Edelman on the outside and Brandon LaFell on the outside. I still think that the Patriots as a team are better suited than the Denver Broncos to win a game like that because of the inside moves of the New England Patriots, the Rob Gronkowski's. You don't have a person on Denver. Yes, Julius Thomas is that you know next up-and-coming uh, great tight end, but he was obviously not himself, and that offense didn't move as well without him. You have Gronkowski in there, and now you have Amendola being able to do those little juke routes inside, the crossing routes, the in-cuts, the slants, everything you need. And then you have a back like Shane Vereen who can catch balls out of the backfield. I just don't see, even if they get strong outside, how they're going to be able to stop the Patriots. And that's the thing. There's just so much firepower on this offense to be able to beat what is an excellent defense without handing off once, meaning that this defense knows what's coming and can't stop it. And yes, to get more specific, they had no idea what was coming when the Patriots went with tricky formations such as the Edelman touchdown pass and the ineligible receiver. But they knew they were passing nonetheless the entire second half, not just those two series, and they couldn't stop it or do anything about it. They couldn't get to Brady because of how quickly he was getting the ball out. There's just so much firepower on this offense, and now they can turn around and steamroll the Colts and run it down their throats as they've done in recent matchups against Indianapolis. It's just such a diverse offense, and that really was not the case as recently as last year. Oh, exactly. You are right, because last year uh, they were down to guys like uh, um, Matthew Slater. Nothing against Matthew Slater. He's a phenomenal special teams player. But Matthew Slater going for a pass in Denver. And Austin Colley going for out for passes. You've replaced Matthew Slater and Austin Colley now uh, with Brandon LaFell and uh, you know Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, and, and, and Matthew Mulligan started that game at tight end, and now you have Rob Gronkowski. So just a bit I of an upgrade. A, a, just a little just a bit of an upgrade. Let me ask you one last question here, my friend, because I, I need to know before we get into our, our, our pick our pickums. but let me ask you this. Uh, the New England Patriots have gone to now, this is their fourth AFC Championship game in a row, the previous three have been struggles. Um, the 2011 AFC Championship game, Tom Brady himself came out and said that uh, he was he you know stunk pretty bad. Uh, he didn't have a great game against the Ravens, and last year against the Patri- uh, against the Denver Broncos, didn't have a very good game. 
What are your thoughts on what Tom Brady will do this weekend? I think it's the perfect scenario for him to end this streak of having one good playoff game and one bad playoff game. The Colts, there's no reason that Indianapolis should be able to stop this Patriots offense, especially at Gillette Stadium. So there's no reason, there's no excuse for Tom Brady to have a bad game. And the way he played against Baltimore, specifically in the second half, was excellent. He helped carry the team to a victory. And I see no reason why he should not be able to do the same again against Indianapolis. Well, there we go, Bobby. All right, running out of time here. Let's let's hear it, Bobby. Your prediction for this game, uh, offense and defensive player of the, of the game, and uh, who will be the NFC representative for the Super Bowl? Oh, I like that last part right there. I'll start with offensive player of the game. I'm going to go with LeGarrette Blount. It's a ground game, and if Blount's going to get the bulk of the carries, then he's the one who's going to get the limelight. He did it last I hope that he can do it again this year. And looking at things defensively, I'm going to give it to Brandon Browner. Whether he's matched up Ooh, with someone wow. like, Mo- yeah, whether he's matched up with someone like Moncrief, or if it's a tight end, whether it be Allen or Fleener. Fleener torched him the last time around, so hopefully he's able to do a better job this time. So I'm going with Browner, who's going to. Need- than he did the last time against Indianapolis. And as far as the final score prediction, I think the Patriots cracked the 40s. I'm going 42-24, to Patriots win, and we'll see the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. All right. All right. Here's my predictions for the game. Offensive player of the game, I know I usually go the ground and pound, and I think the Patriots can do that. But JoJo LaFell, Brandon LaFell, is going to be the man in this game. He is going to be that outside presence that the Patriots have lacked in their last three AFC Championship games. If the run gets stopped, if Arthur Jones is able to go up against Josh Klein or Cameron Fleming, now that I remember his name, and do some damage, I can see that uh, I can see JoJo LaFell having a great game. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going with the one and only Jamie Collins. Had a rough week last week. We remember his coming out party last year against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I look and I see that team, and I say, all right, what's going to happen here? And I look at Jamie Collins as the man who can absolutely dominate things. I don't think the Patriots are going to get as high as they did, um, you know, last year, uh, last time with the 42 points. But I do see the Patriots uh, coming out victorious in this game uh, as the Patriots will win this one by a final score of 34 to 24 in this game. And the one thing that I want to talk about is that the New England Patriots will be playing the Seattle Seahawks an old friend. Uh, Pete Carroll. I can't believe that Pete Carroll uh, is a Super Bowl champion coach, but he is. Um, but what are you going to do? And as I hit the uh, the post game show uh, of podcast there, that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, but join myself and Bob Snowden on Sunday night after the Patriots are hopefully victorious over Indianapolis as they will be hopefully. Back to Arizona for some unfinished business 
Today's Patriots Beat Podcast has been brought to you by Lynda.com, www.lynda.com, Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.